Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. Wednesday, August 9th, on the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. We're here together, people. It's Kyle Borgannoni, your host. I'm with Matthew Betts. And Jason Moore. <laughs> what it do? Super cool intro there from Jason. Yeah. I hit you with a what it do. because haven't heard that in a while, man. <laughs> that's what the young hip kids say. They say what it do. Um, yeah. Big show today. A lot of big questions. Huge, huge questions here. And guys, we're in the gauntlet that is August leading up to the season. And in Dynasty, we, you know, Dynasty never rests, really. And... We have a really good show. We're going to talk about rebuilds, what to do on that. We've got some awesome, awesome listener questions about how do you stir up, you know, some zeal right now where you've already had your rookie drafts mostly, you're waiting on the season. So just how to get good league involvement. So guys, is there any league right now that you're in that you can kind of feel your league like, okay, the cobwebs are coming off and people are talking or at least talking smack right now. Is there any, any of your dynasty leagues right now where... You're seeing people come out of the woodworks. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, all all of my leagues they're 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 hot right now. They're going. Andy just made a ridiculous trade in our main dynasty league this morning to overpay for Zamir White. Um, what did he and, give up? Can you can you can we share? Yeah, I'll share. I don't I don't mind. He he admits he overpaid. He totally recognizes he overpaid. His is a situational fear. Uh, it's a fear. He has a really, really good team, championship-level team. He made a trade for Josh Jacobs. He needs Josh Jacobs to be a part of that. If he loses Josh Jacobs to this holdout or whatever um, or a trade or et cetera, then he is really hurting. From He goes from great to, to hurting. So he traded for Zamir White, and he gave up a 2026 first-round pick. And so it's a, you know it's far away, it's in the distant future, but also giving up a first round pick for a guy that's probably never going to do anything is setting it on fire. Whereas, you know the the alternative there is should Josh Jacob not, you know, come to fruition? Should he sit out the whole year? Maybe try to use that first round pick for someone that you know will be relevant. And he also got back a third in the deal, correct? I, th- I believe Andy also got a uh, third. There was more to the deal, but I don't I don't remember what it yeah, was. So I'm, you, you I'm looking right. at it now. It was Zamir White in a third, and he gave up a first, which, yes, it's an overpay, but I get it. And Andy's one of those managers that he goes all in, and he doesn't really have a backup plan usually. 
Mm-mm. So like it's not like Andy's never going to say like I'm going to go in and if it doesn't work out I'll play for next like he's fully playing for this year. So I don't know is it Zamir White is it Brandon Bolden is it Amir Abdullah? Who the knows? Boys. I mean <laughs> the boys of the summer, the boys of last year's Hall of Fame game that uh all of us, all of us including me, the only person in the world that got that situation right last year was Brooks. Yeah. Like he yep. was the he was the only one that saw it coming. It, so. And not just out of the ballers, like everybody, everybody everywhere. No, people drafted Josh Jacobs. The people that won leagues last year was very upsetting to me. Um, it was very upsetting because most leagues, Josh Jacobs was, I, I think statistically speaking, he was the most valuable pick in, in redraft leagues last year. And the people that ended up with Josh Jacobs were usually the people not paying attention. You know, like in our in our league of record, it's like, not the best manager was the one that got Josh Jacobs. It's like, yeah, you just, you just got lucky. Is how it felt like ever everyone was wrong, but uh, you know, what do you do? Yeah, and those are the kind of trades that you get to make right now. As we still are waiting for more information, if you want to get up to date information, up to date, you can get that in the Ultimate Draft Kit, Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. We're updating everything. The Kareem Hunt news, we were all over that. We have it in. Our, our dynasty pass, we're updating blurbs, updating projections, everything else for people. And then this is something I think people don't realize is that you can put your dynasty team in our draft analyzer and we can kind of give you, you know, an overview of here's where you can improve your team. So I don't know if you guys have done this for your teams. I have. It says I'm weak at running back, but I also think that's all <laughs> dynasty teams like my my depth's bad. Yeah, it won't be my dynasty team, but uh, yeah, no, uh, the the ultimate draft kit is a really exceptional tool. You know, we're all players of this game. We care almost more about our own teams than we care about, you know, the uh, analysis at large because we're just so competitive, and that's the tool I use for everything. I mean, the dynasty pass is fire. It is awesome. It's in the ultimate draft kit. This is the time to get it. Yeah, and bets any recent updates you got to make to the ultimate draft kit? I uh, just did a quick update uh, yesterday to best ball rankings. Basically, just trying to make sure those are lined up, and those are part of the UDK Plus too. So, yeah, I wanted to make sure those were up to date with news we're getting, and you know, staying in line with some ADP changes and stuff. And I know this is a dynasty show, but I mean, come on, we're well, all we playing went through best the ball. dynasty. <laughs> we went through <laughs> dynasty rankings today as well. Yeah. I mean, bets you you scoured through to make sure that everything was in line that. You know, we we looked and said, ah, Tim Patrick probably needs to go down even further than we moved him down just because of his age and his injury now that it's been, you know, officially confirmed. And so, yeah, we're always going through this and updating it. Yeah, the the classic Jake Turd Ferguson update that we needed to give when he's the, you know, apparently the number one tight end. So, yep, all those are up to date in the Ultimate Draft Kit. I wanted to start us off before we get into the deep, deep weeds of listener questions and talk about rebuilds. we got a couple of questions uh, one's from Sean Norton said, what's the best way to decide between staying the course and blowing it up and going full rebuild? And another follow-up question from Vinny, what's one tip you would give somebody who's kind of entered a rebuild? So bets, I'll let you start first. Yeah, I'll speak to uh, the, you know, someone adopting a team or, or taking over an orphan is really like, you don't know what your league mates who they value highly, who they don't. If you've been playing with people for a while, you kind of get an understanding of like, okay, this guy values running backs, this guy values wide receivers. And you might be able to, I think in those situations, get deals done. Maybe that take a little longer to get done. But if you're just new into this, like I'd be kind of firing off trades pretty aggressively. 
to start to see if you can get some good values and, and really kind of get things moving. So um, it's tough if you are just adopting a team, especially if they are in a rebuild. But I think if you are embracing that, like, you know, you got to get a couple of blue chip guys. And if you don't have that, being able to take some shots, get rookie picks and really try to think about that, you know, basically like, can I get a blue chip player in a rookie draft situation versus I've got a, a couple middling guys that might keep me alive. Like, I think you do need to really tear it down if you are, if you are truly in a rebuild. And of course that's, the, that's the tricky conversation, right? It's cause it's, it's not always black and white. It's oftentimes very gray, but if your team is, it's staring you in the face, like, Hey man, this it's time. I'd be pretty aggressive with some of those trades. Do you guys feel like the allure of a rebuild is kind of like a siren song in the sense of like, if you're kind of caught in the middle, you're like, okay, which way should I go? Like rebuild sounds good because you don't really have to deal with like the negatives. Like, oh, my team's bad and it's fine. It's going to be, but I think the reality is that oftentimes teams are stuck in a rebuild or trying to rebuild longer than they realize because of the idea of like, this is what this could be. This is, you know, this is the utopia. I, I can find this team. I can get, 10 different young players when I think most leagues that doesn't really happen. So do you feel like that's more of like a, it's a nice idea for a lot of teams like that, that, that are in the middle. I think it is alluring. I think it is enticing. And I like you calling it the siren song, right? Cause what do they do? They murder you. They, they, <laughs> this is the, you don't want to listen to the siren song. I believe that most of the time, and there are, there are situations where, a rebuild is what you need. You got to tear down to the nubs and go. But most of the time, you do not need to do that. Most of the time, if you play for now, you can keep playing for now. And the the real heart of this question is how do you know, right? The, the question is how do I know when it's time to rebuild? And for me, it is simply this. Do I have a chance, a realistic chance to make the playoffs? And I'm not talking in the middle of the season, you know, in the middle of the season, maybe you've had some bad beats, you've had a couple losses, you're getting close to the end and you're like, I got to win three out of my last four games and maybe it's tough. I'm just saying, generically speaking, over the course of your season, you look at your roster going into a year, do, does my team look like I have a chance to make the playoffs? If yes, then you absolutely should not rebuild because I think too often people don't realize that the the real hardest thing to do is to make the playoffs. It, it, it feels like, oh, that's easy. I've made the playoffs a lot. I just haven't won a championship. Winning a championship is a little, you know, there's, there's just a little bit more luck to it once you're in the playoffs. It's like getting to the teams. playoffs that takes skill. Like your teams, Jason. Like just, just there's, a, there's a small amount that you just kind of got there on technicalities. Right, and then win a championship over and over and over. It's just, honestly, it's exhausting for everyone around me how often I win the championship. But my my point is, if you believe that your team has a chance to make the playoffs, then fight for this year and always fight for this year. You talk about Kyle, Andy's team. Uh, Andy is always playing for the moment, always. And for the last, like, three years, I think he thought, well, this will be the last year I can do it. This will be the last year, and every year he's trading future assets for current assets, and he's competing over and over and over. If you make moves and you make good deals and you try to keep your, you know, paying attention to what's going on, which if you're listening to this show, you're going to be one of those dynasty managers that's in the know that, you know, you're not going to just be destroying your own team. 
just keep just keep fighting. Just keep going for this year, and you'll win a championship. I mean, it, not necessarily this year. Only one person wins it in every league. But, yeah, that's my mentality. You can almost always keep playing for now, and it's a rare situation where I feel like you should really, really, really rebuild. And when you rebuild, you got to go hardcore. When you decide, like, I can't, this team can't make the playoffs, all my players aged out, then you've got to just, you got to play for two years from now, tear it down, and build it up like a phoenix. So inspirational, Jason. Just keep fighting, man. Just just keep fighting. <laughs> I'm inspired after that. <laughs> I So I've had a couple of teams where I feel like I am stuck in the middle. I get, I get the allure of that. But what I've done, and I think it's a really easy thing, is list out your four to five most valuable players on your team. Okay, Just look at your roster and say, with four to five players, one, can I make the playoffs? And then on top of that, do I have right now at least two to three bench pieces that I can at least start, like, you know, in a, in a, in a pinch. And then from there, you can kind of assess, like, can I compete? But with a rebuild, I think people, what they don't do is they don't really set a timeline. They just kind of push it out there and say, hey, my team's rebuilding. And you end up just forever doing that. So you need to ask yourself, what do you need to get there? And for me, if I'm going to start a rebuild, like if I'm making that decision and you know, realize draft picks become more valuable as you get towards your league's trade deadline. I need at least three to four first round picks as ammo. And I would love three to four first round picks that weren't just mine. Like that, that's, that's where I want to start a rebuild. So I did it with a team. I traded away Stefan Diggs and I traded away Dalvin Cook a year too early. And so I had ammo on a team that had a major injury and I traded away two really good players. And I ended up with five first round picks over two years that I was able to start that process knowing this team is going to stink for another year. But at least I I was able to think forward as opposed to, you know, I think a lot of times people just decide before the season when there are teams that can totally make it. So I think there's some practicality sometimes to rebuilding that people don't realize. And also that your rookie picks won't solve everything, right? Like there's rookie picks where you got Jamar Chase and there's rookie picks where you got Nikhil Harry. And that sets you back even further. So Keep that in mind. Nikhil Harry, by the way, uh, did you guys see that? Minnesota Viking, Nikhil yeah, Harry? Yeah, look at He's that. Back, baby. Still in the NFL. Did you see what number he got? No. Number 28, Adrian Peterson's number. That's funny. I don't a couple, couple of goats. I don't know why they did that. A couple of Minnesota Vikings goats right there. <laughs> Gosh, I, I, it still haunts me that I have Nikhil Harry. I had him on a roster, and then I had to let him go because it was worthless. But let's get into some listener questions. mailbag if you want to get your questions answered best i just want to recommend our discord channel where the dynasty keeper the dynasty Superflex, the dynasty trade advice those channels are hopping all the time and i always see people and i always see a conversation in there so if you're a member at jointhefoot.com you get to be a part of that and yeah our dynasty channels are the place where people want to talk this first question is Something that I see people ask all the time, it's a question that people ask about specifically the ballers and their league, and it's from Shoes on Twitter. He asks, what is your preferred dynasty settings, the roster size, the starting lineup, um, and then how many rounds do you consider for a startup? So Jason, you're the main dynasty league that's been going on for a long time, uh, do you want to give just kind of the overview of how that league is kind of formatted? Yeah, so we've got 26 roster spots, a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, two flex, a tight end, 
18 bench and two IR spots. Um, you know, obviously, if you are going to be adding a defense, if you're adding kicker, don't do that. But if you are doing that in your dynasty leagues, you need to have a couple more roster spots available. If it's a super flex league, you should have another roster spot. I think a dynasty number that's really good is around 30 roster spots total. Like that, that to me is not too deep when you've got 30 spots. Um, and, you know, as far as other details, it's really. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I prefer non-superflex leagues. Um, I personally prefer non-taxi squad leagues. Both of those are good. Like those aren't those aren't um, pieces of advice where I'd say like, oh, you know, like I'm not gonna go. Don't play in a taxi league. That's that's fun. Don't don't play in a superflex league. No, great. Those are good things, but those are preferences. Right. Those are things that you just who's in your league. What do you want? Put it to a vote. Play what you want. Do you want full PPR? I prefer half PPR. Um, but those are all preferences. I think the main thing, though, is if you're doing a startup draft, the main thing is what's your roster, starting roster size, and how many total players are you drafting, somewhere between 26 and 30. And that might de be dependent upon whether or not you have rookies in your startup draft. So, um, Or if you're going to do like an additional supplemental draft uh, I know when we started our main dynasty league what we did is we had the draft and rookies were not in it and then the rookie draft was following that and it was in the reverse order of the startup draft so whoever got the 12 and 13 had the 101 etc um, so that that's kind of how our league is am I missing anything any preferences you guys have I share a lot of the, the same opinions on that stuff. Uh, I played in a league for years with defense, and it was like the most stressful thing ever. It's like, this is not... I don't want to predict who's going to be a good defense in two years, right? Like, that's silly. So I think if you don't have those, you'll have more fun. Um, and as far as the taxi thing goes, I think it's it's kind of one of those either-or things for me. Like, if you have 30 roster spots, you will have plenty of room on your roster to stash a couple of sleepers that you like. If you have, like, 20 roster spots without a taxi then it becomes a little thin. So I would say like kind of either or if it's 2025, 20, throw a taxi on there, which will allow you to, you know, get a couple sleepers and you stash them on. And if it doesn't work out, no big deal. You cut them the next year and you move on. Uh, but it kind of is fun if you do have a taxi squad, like the year after, like every, everyone kind of goes through a period of time, like, I don't know, the NFL playoffs, early February, where it's like, okay, I haven't looked at my dynasty roster for two or three weeks. Like I need to kind of just take a little break. And then you come back to your team and you're like, oh, I kind of forgot I had Chico Conquo on my taxi squad. Sweet, you know, for the next year. So I kind of like it for that reason, but largely the same uh, same ideas as Jason. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a bunch of different leagues. I've done taxi squads before, and they're fine. I just feel like you end up turning those over, and maybe one out of five really end up making your roster anyway. So it, it it's fine uh, in the superflex dynasty leagues. I'm in. I'm in one that also starts three wide receivers. That's a fun league. It's full PPR. So, you know, you kind of get these big, huge scoring weeks, which is really hard when I'm in my other leagues that are redraft leagues and I'm comparing scores. I'm like, oh, well, this one has super flex and three wide receivers. Um, so it's up to you. Okay. So don't clown on anyone. If they do one a certain way, it's, it's uh, super fun. Unless it's kickers Next and then cl clown away. Yes. If they're doing I, kickers, just clown on them. It's one of the few things that I will say in dynasty. I, I feel no reason to add kickers in there. And back to defense, like you mentioned, bets, like no one's going to ever trade defenses. Like it's just, I mean, you could, some degenerates will, but like they're not going to end up on the wire. 
and you're just going to end up clogging roster spots with like, oh, I have three defenses. It's like, yeah, for me in Dynasty, it just seems not as fun, but there's also the people out there that play Dynasty IDP, and they do all of that, and they enjoy it too. So lots of different routes to go. Next question from at Preston the Great on Twitter. How do you stimulate trade talks in a league full of lamos? I like, I like that he called them lamos. Lamos. What, what do you guys think? Uh, you don't. I mean, you don't. That's the truth. Uh, everybody always wants to know this when you're in a bad league and there's not communication and people aren't talking, which is what I would refer to as lamos. There, it's it's just not. I mean, the fixable part is not. You can't skip to the trading. You got to build the relationships. You got to have friendships. You got to have communication about the league. Like if you're in a league that's talking about the league all the time and they're just enjoying fantasy football and talking trash, trades will come because people care. People are paying attention. It's a hobby that they're invested in. So it's really a matter of you got to you got to change the league relationships from being lame to being involved. Then trading comes. You can't just take a lame league and force trading to happen. I mean, if that's your only goal, then make really bad trade offers that are in their favor, and then they will accept a trade, and that's the only way you can get it done. What do you do if, like, you're, I don't know, like, bets, and you are that lame in the league? Okay. What would you, you know? Come on, What dude. would you do? <laughs> uh, you are the- if it was me in this league, not the lame I'd be going to footclamleagues.com first off. Uh, but if it feels like work to like get, you know, a league chat started or get trade talk started, like the league probably is not for you. Like if you're that into it and your friends or your league mates aren't, like it's not a good fit, right? Um, we just had what's really hilarious. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, a Colts running back after this break. Spoiler alert. But we just had, you know, some news come through that Cream Hunt is visiting the Colts after the Saints. And one of my uh, league mates just traded like a 2026 20, second for Cream Hunt because he has Alvin Kamara and like he's going for it this year. And we all made fun of him. We're like, dude, Kamara's washed. We're all making fun of him in the group chat. If that stuff isn't happening in your leagues, like it's probably time for, for a new league. Yes. I was looking at this question and I thought the best way to gauge this is just go through my leagues on Sleeper, on the different platforms that I have and go, now is this a lame league? Or do people trade? It's like all of my leagues, people trade because they're into it. And I get that this is, you know, what we do with our life and our professions. But I would say the people that make those leagues aren't people that work for the fantasy footballers, right? Like there's just, there's people in leagues that get the culture, that trash talk, that are in a group thread while I'm even recording this right now, just talking nonstop about football. So find yourself a good league, like Betts mentioned at jointhefoot.com. And we will take a break and talk about those Colts running back. And we're back. <laughs> and guys, you know, when you're doing breaking stuff on a show, a dynasty show, it's tough because earlier today we were talking about Cream Hunt and we were talking about him on the Saints. And we're getting news right now, as of this recording, it could change later, that he's on the Colts. And so let's talk about Cream Hunt. And I think it's a good segue into this conversation. Uh, someone asked, What's your outlook for Evan Hole? the rookie running back for the Colts, given this current situation of JTT. So let's talk about Hunt, and then we'll talk about Evan Hull. And we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of speculating still too, but what are your thoughts on Hunt in general? Is he just done? Wait, he didn't sign with the Colts. 
No, but he's visiting them. I'm you trying said to, with trying the Colts. To, okay, man, you got me a little worried. There I said he was visiting the Colts. <laughs> visiting the Colts. Whew, Kyle, breaking news that isn't true on the show. Spreading fake news. Um, my take, I'll, I'll jump in. My take on Kareem Hunt is uh, I think he's done. Um, I think we saw it last year. If you look at any of the efficiency metrics and the data kind of backs that up, he's at an age where it's a little worrisome. And, you know, there's a reason he hasn't been on the roster uh, for the entire offseason, right? So if the JT thing wasn't happening, if Zach Moss didn't break his forearm, I don't think Kareem Hunt would be visiting the Colts. So it's one of those things where it's like, let's let's maybe get another camp body in here. Same thing. I don't really think he was a lock to be active on game days if he goes to New Orleans either. Like, I mean, they've got Kamara three games, of course, but they signed Jamal Williams. They draft Kendra Miller, you know, as a day two pick. Like, he's not a roster lock by any means. So I think he's pretty much done at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know that he's exactly washed. Kyle brought up and found the stat that he basically was the leader in third down snaps How? last That's year. Insane. Um, You know, so he was on the field. He was active. His efficiency numbers were certainly worse. What's funny is this offseason, Kareem Hunt has been crickets. I haven't heard any team interested, any team talking about bringing him in. I haven't heard him working out or doing anything. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, eh, Kareem Hunt's going to sign with the Saints. And then it's almost like the Colts are like, oh, yeah, there's Kareem Hunt's out there. Let's let's call him and see if he can come in. We really need someone. But um, I, I do think he'll be not necessarily relevant. I don't think he's going to be a relevant player that you're going to start in fantasy. I do think he will impact wherever he goes. He will get on the field. I think he will make the roster and have an effect elsewhere. As far as um, you know, the, the the question about you know rookie sensation pass catching running back um, Evan Hall, I just didn't like the landing spot. Right, he's a great pass catcher, and he's going to a place where you don't expect Anthony Richardson to utilize that trait very well. Um, he had a good breakout age. He's, you know, at least he's over 200 pounds. You know, he's 209. There's some things to like there. Um, and especially the depth chart around him being, uh, broken right now. I think you'd say, I just, I, I didn't think it was a nice meeting of skill sets. For sure. I, I think this is one of those players that you, you get excited because he breaks a lot of our you know, metrics when you look at like dominator rating and, you know, all the different things he did at Northwestern. And then when you see the draft capital, you see the landing spot and you see how many of these players that are day three running backs just never work out in general, then he's a fun stash. Like, you know, like when we all had that period in our life where it was just like, I, I had a really fun mustache for a while. That's it. Just a fun stash. You know, it's fun. Maybe your wife doesn't like it. Jason, have you ever gone just mustache? Well, I had to for a Jeff Fisher Halloween costume, <laughs> um, and I rocked a big old stash. That was a full, you know, as, as as much as I can do. I mean, I've got the full beard, right? So I just shaved everything else, had a big Jeff Fisher mustache, but I only had that for a day. Um, it was not good. She she didn't love she loved it for like the makeup and all that part, but then she hated it afterwards. Yeah, I think it was less about the mustache and more about my. Th- fat thumb looking face and neck um i need it's a beard not, it was it was you. the absence of a beard not the presence of a mustache that was the problem but it wasn't you it was jeff fisher that's what she didn't like oh no she loved when i looked like jeff fisher 
I mean, that was looking hot. Can I just say the timing of this? We're recording this uh, the evening before. We're recording this on eight eight boys. It's oh Jeff my Fisher goodness! Day on the show. That's right. I was reminded when I was on Hard Knocks talking about uh, they when when they when it was the Rams um, and it, they were talking about Jeff Fisher Day. Uh, just today, someone was talking about that. I was, they were like, "Wait, you didn't see when we were on Hard Knocks?" And I was like, "I was on Hard Knocks. <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> I had forgot about that too." Com- so. Back to Mustache McGee here, uh, Evan Hall. He's fun. He's a fun player. But yeah, if he was in a, if he was a Patriot, all right. If he was like a, you know, some other. T- if he was, if he was on the Chargers, would you be like, ooh, this is a fun player? We could see a year or two from now what he is, but he is not. And so, into your bench, enjoy that. But it's not a great situation with a rookie quarterback. Next question from Discord is from Wookie Mistake with the running back landscape pushing out running backs at the end of their rookie deals, should dynasty managers get away from trading for breakout running backs and instead assemble a stockpile of picks? And this is something we talked about a little bit on the running backs ranking show. So any any further thoughts, guys, from one, when we talked about that of just here's how contracts are working out and how should dynasty managers adjust? Yeah, I'm happy to jump in kind of just the general strategy around running backs. Like, I mean, I, I love to just build around these younger wide receivers and so I've been kind of leaning into this stuff even more as we enter this season of these running backs are such a scary investment because these guys that are great aren't really getting the contracts and you know financial security that they would like or that you as a dynasty manager would like them to have and so man entering the season like the running back position as a whole has never felt more shaky I mean we're four weeks out from week one and like in redraft leagues like you don't know who you're taking because JT's not there and you know Brees Hall's still injured and and all that sort of stuff so that plus the contract issues like I'm trying to in my leagues that I'm contenders like identify you know these are the guys who have you know maybe a year or two but like I know that they're entering this year we talked about it on a recent show like I traded for Nick Chubb I know he's not the best name for Dynasty because the age but man the projection looks great this year people are excited about the Browns he's going to be there. Like we know that. So I have really tried to avoid uh, chasing the other guys or trading for the other guys that have those uncertainties. uh, Personally, maybe that's uh, a short sighted take that might be wrong in the long term, but that's kind of how I've been viewing it uh, for this year and and moving forward. Yeah. It's, it's just really hard to just trade for a running back. Like think about that. Like if you're a contending team and you want to add depth, it's going to be really hard because the teams that are contending are thinking the same exact thing. So it's not just as easy as I can trade away this running back and get a haul. But we, you know, our advice has always been if you need to trade them a year early, that's okay. You're going to get a haul. They're still going to be worth something. If you did it with Todd Gurley, you did it with, if you did it with Jonathan Taylor, you could still do it. So uh, keep you, that in mind and go back to that on, running back. Do you guys have any like show. cheaper running back targets that you could get for a contender that aren't going to cheaper? cost you an arm and a leg? So we do have a question. I'll, I'll just lump this in. This is from Dragon Nine. He said, "Who would be some running back trade targets that you could trade a second round pick for?" Which would you say that's a good price if you're a contender, like you're willing to give up your second? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. If you're a contender and you're wanting to try to take a shot on someone um, that can affect your roster now for a second round pick, yeah, sign me up. I mean, you've got short term guys. It, it, there's 
there's different archetypes, right? You can get like a Samaj P. Ryan that looks like it's someone that might be involved and maybe has a good stretch, but doesn't seem like he's got a long-term dynasty outlook or a David Montgomery, someone that he's the less exciting player on his own roster. I don't know if you can, he's weird. Cause I don't know that you could get him for a second and would, no one would pay a first for him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's two like, seconds. it seems like his, his value. Yeah. Like two seconds or something, but, um, you know, he would be someone that I think you could still try to target or, or work around because the value, I, I believe he will score more fantasy points than his perceived value is. All right, let me list you some names. Would you rather have a second round pick or these names? Okay, so second round or Jalen Warren? Jalen Warren. I think I'd take Warren. I think I would too. Second round pick or Khalil Herbert? Herbert. Herbert. Yeah, and do you think the Herbert manager wants to give them up, though, for a second? No, I think if you've got Herbert and you've held on to him and now they've got their shot, uh, you're probably going to hold on and you're not trying to unload Herbert right now. Yeah, that's somebody I think if you did a second and you know another hopeful wide receiver, you could get it done if your team needs it. Would you rather have a second or Rashad Penny, who is a who a year from now could be nothing? I offered my second for Rashad Penny, so... The, the, I've put my money where my mouth is on that one. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a good target, I think, because there's some uncertainty about Swift's role, Penny's role. There's some game well talk and third downs and, you know, uh, the two-minute drill stuff. So people aren't sure. But if you're not a contender, like, you might be thinking, all right, this is my last chance to get out. And so, sure, I'll take a second. So I think he's a great target. The other name that came to mind, and this, we just need to make sure, like, over the next week or two, the Dalvin Cook thing doesn't happen. But, like, Jeff Wilson, you can get for like pennies, right? Like you can get him for a late second, probably. I mean, if if Cook goes there, <laughs> that's not great. But if he doesn't, like he's popped. I know uh, Mike has him pretty high in rankings for this year, so he's a guy that I'm like, okay, if I'm if I'm making a bet, I know A Chain's going to be there with the change of pace role, super explosive. But you know, Penny's 31 years old. The injury history stuff is, is obviously very lengthy. Uh, Jeff is, I think, 27, 28. Um, so if I'm taking a shot, I think he'd be the guy for me in Miami. Those are the type of players, if you are a contender, that it doesn't sound great to give up a second. And the, the, the next year you look back, you're like, oh, where'd my second go? I gave it up for a running back. But you just got to acquire those players. Like I did it a couple years ago for A.J. Dillon before he was super involved. Like remember A.J. Dillon rookie year was just like meh. And I was like, I'm just going to take the gamble that maybe he's more than something else. And I don't regret that at all. Second round pick for A.J. Dillon. He's been a depth piece. I've been able to start him. And still waiting if you know if he's the dude if Aaron Jones goes down. So keep well, that in mind. Second round picks. Yeah, I'm, it, it's a per the perfect example of this is when you're trading those seconds, you you think they're going to be more valuable than they oftentimes are. I'm just looking back at like our Dino Junior League that we're in, Kyle. Together, uh, the last uh, offline board that I have pulled up, it's 2021, and there were three running backs that went in the second round. It was Trey Sermon. Kenneth Gainwell and Chuba Hubbard. And those all felt pretty good when you made the picks, and they are worthless. You wouldn't trade a second round for any, you know, you wouldn't trade for those players now uh, with your second rounder. So, yeah, if you can get a known commodity, you know, that, that, it, that is doing something or has proven on the NFL field that he could be of value, yeah, you, you take the player over the pick. Next question is from Josh Board. He says, I'm working on something called a manager rating metric. We'll call it an MRM. 
what do you think can be measured that can measure a really good manager in a dynasty league? So it seems like what he's trying to do is kind of come up with something fun for his league and figure out like, how do I figure out who the best manager is other than just, they won the championship. Um, so far I've got who's finished above their projected wins, who wins the championship and playoff wins, their trade activity, their total points. Is there anything that you would add? And I, I'll just say this from like a, I'm commissioner leagues and I'm a part of leagues. Like I love adding this stuff in so that every single week you can kind of update it. I know that Yahoo, this is super frustrating, has something where they rate different managers. And in my home league, I am clear far and away the best manager according to Yahoo's metrics, but I've never won that league. <laughs> so it uh, makes me feel like crap every time I see it. But um, any any random metrics of just like, hey, this would be a fun way to to gauge who's a good manager. I, I think there's two things that I would throw in there. One would be waiver activity. Usually the more active managers on waivers are better. That's not always, but you know, they're they're more active. And then the other one is what I said earlier. I think it's the best barometer of talent. Like if I could only have one thing, if I could just have like, okay, you could only have one thing, how do you know who is the best manager over the last decade in your league? It would be simply playoff appearances that's it who gets to the playoffs that's skill to me in fantasy like if I if I look at a league I go how often does this manager make the playoffs that's it another thing too just that yeah one more thing I think that's a great one Jason is um it's just how often do you kind of hit on like your second and third round rookie picks I mean it's, none of us hit on them at a high level but if there's someone in your league who's like consistently being like man how did that guy fall to him again he's he found the guy that fell in round two again and he became a startable player I like that like that's kind yeah, of a I good like that a lot you can identify maybe someone who has more of an eye for talent scouting you got to go back two analytics. years and you and you grade you grade the drafts two years later yeah and give everybody like a, a you know a for the round uh, a letter grade and then go back i like that a lot that sounds like a really fun task to go you know what i'm gonna do today i'm gonna go look at my draft from 2019 and just tell my whole league hey you were really smart you know stroke their ego do whatever you need to. Um, I mean, if, if you could measure one thing for a manager, it's got to be grit and moxie and mm. poise, mm. which obviously you can't. Uh, I did think it would be fun if you went back and just looked at close losses, like painful losses, to at least like show the managers like, hey, your team was good and it just stinks who you're playing. So, um, yeah, there's lots of fun ways to add that in the league. Put that in your league newsletter, league podcast, whatever it is. Okay, okay. Um, I went back. I went back and I looked here at 2020, Kyle, since we're doing this. Oh, Let's no. take a look at how we fared against each other in this league. It looks like in the first round, I had two picks. I selected J.K. Dobbins in the middle of the first. How, how would you grade that pick? It's fine. That's a tough one because he's been great when he's on the field, but he's been definitely injured. not a bad pick. No, all right, definitely not a bad pick. Kyle had one a few picks after that. <laughs> no, I know what this is. Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> How would you grade that pick? What's funny is I traded up ahead of you a spot. Oh yeah. Oh, I I see me. I'm right. I'm right after you. <laughs> I selected someone named Joe Burrow. Okay. Okay. So seems, seems slightly I got better than Keyshawn. J.K. Dobbins. Oh you got God. Joe Burrow. But you got now to be fair, to be fair to Kyle, with the last pick in the draft, Jalen Hurts. That was my pick. Thank you. Yeah. Um, why did I have the last pick? 
Have you won a championship in that league? I was the first champion, Jason. Oh, gosh. I don't remember. It's just three years in a row of me winning, so I can't. I don't remember time before I was champion. Ah, whatever. Uh, Next one from Colin Moses 10 on Twitter. If you have Amari Cooper, should you hold or trade him away? If you're trading him, what's a realistic expectation to receive for him? Bets, and I'll let you start. I hate giving these cop-out answers on the show, but it really does just depend. I mean, if you're a contending manager in your league, I'm holding Amari Cooper. Like, There's a reason people are excited about the Browns this year, and, and Deshaun Watson may be returning to form. And I mean, Amari Cooper was awesome last year with Jacoby Brissett. He was great, uh, top 10 wide receiver in fantasy. And so, you know, I don't think anyone's projecting that, obviously, but... How how was he with Deshaun Watson? Oh, how was everyone with Deshaun Watson? Not great, Bob. <laughs> Not great. Um, we talked about uh, on one of the uh, DFS embedding shows, like the EPA stuff for Watson. I mean, he was down there with Zach Wilson and Carson Wentz last year, which was just crazy to see. But man, it, if he does return to form, like Amari Cooper's got, you know, top 15 in the range of outcomes again this year. So I'm holding him. He still has two years left on his deal. And next year, $11.3 million dead cap. So I mean, they're going to have him on the roster. So I, I'm holding him for two years if I'm a contender. Definitely willing to trade him away, though, I think, if you are looking to to rebuild. He did have a two-touchdown game with Watson in Week 17. So there's, you know, when I because I've, I've been looking at his numbers, too, and I'm like, it was garbage. And there's a little bit of hope there. Um, yeah, I think, I think you kind of have to hold him. Like, He's going to be on this team, I assume, next year, but they're going to be run into a ton of cap issues when they start having to deal with Watson's number. Like right now, it's like a team-friendly number, and then it's just going to keep getting pushed down the road. So, I don't know, age 30, Jason, like, do you think he's still got at least two years left? I do. I, I, th- I think he's a hold. Uh, Mari Cooper, for several years now, has not been valued to the degree of his worth. Um in startup drafts right now, uh, just generic ADP startups, it looks like he's around wide receiver 34. So I don't – if you go, oh, I'm going to capitalize on him before he ages out, I just don't think he's the type of player you can capitalize on. You're not going to get much for him. You know, the the players that you want to capitalize on before they age out are Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, guys that are they're going to bring a haul and then they're not going to last forever. Amari Cooper is going to last as long as those guys do, you know, but he's not going to net you much. So he's better to just hold the value of and keep getting his fantasy points because you're not going to turn him into two young stud wide receivers for the next, you know, seven, eight years. You could probably get a first for him, though, don't you think? Like a mid-first if you're in a rebuild? That's what I was thinking. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know that people are spicy enough. Obviously, if it's mid-season and he's on fire, sure, maybe to a contending team, but I'm not sure you could get that. Also, I'd just like to point out Kyle's trying to bury Mark Cooper before he is actually 30. He's 29.2, Kyle. So check yourself there, brother. Uh, I'm saying that he will live. He will be breathing. That when he is 30 years old, I, I am confident of this. So, yeah, I think you can get a first and then at trade deadline, maybe a little bit more. We'll see. Next one's from Scott Tyler. Is there a situation in which you guys would not take a quarterback in the first round of a 12 team dynasty superflex startup? My answer is yes, yes, yes. I've done it a lot. <laughs> My answer is absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that the first. 
you know, 12 picks or the first 24 picks in a dynasty startup draft should be quarterbacks. So, yeah, there's there's situations like that. And there's some situations where I would almost never take a quarterback. If I'm at like the 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 12 13 turn in a third round reversal league, yes. I'm almost definitely uh, you know, I'll I'll use that third round pick on the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, if you just go to the site and look at the top 12, it's not all quarterbacks in two quarterback leagues. I mean, the elite wide receivers are awesome. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson. Those guys should be going in round one ahead of the tier three quarterbacks. Uh, we all agree on that. Yeah, you can look on our site, our two QB rankings, Superflex, and we did a couple of shows. Jason was on that show. We talked about Superflex rankings and... Maybe, you know, when you just when you sort by quarterback scoring and everything else, of course, you're going to see like I need to take one at the beginning. But we talked a lot about supply and demand and the way that that looks. So make sure you check that out. The next one is from Blue on Twitter or on X, whatever you call it these days. When do you move on from a rookie or second year player that isn't performing as well as you thought they would? And I'll just start off by saying the hardest part is separating yourself from what you spent in a rookie draft on a player. Like, oh, I spent the 102 on Nikhil Harry because I did that. And it stayed with him for a year or two where I couldn't move off him and people wouldn't give me what I wanted for him. But I will give you a stat and then you guys can kind of follow up. For me with wide receivers, I think it's the hardest to move on. If you have a wide receiver that was taken on day one or day two of the draft, it's easy to kind of lock in. If you didn't see it in year one and go, well, they're still young there'll be a second year wide receiver. I'll give you a couple of metrics. If a rookie wide receiver, if their yards per route run is 0.8 or below, or their targets per route run is 14% or below, they're done. I mean, like since 2014, the only person on this list that had any relevance that returned to anything was Zay Jones. And I feel like it took Zay Jones a while. Nelson Aguilar had one year, but other than that, like this list is doo-doo like just just really bad in terms of day one day two wide receivers so there's a couple players that are close to these metrics and i'm just going to bring it up for nostalgia's sake Devonte adams as a rookie was so bad oh Jason, yeah we we were out 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 on i mean he was so bad it was like he stinks and uh, uh he was okay his uh his uh targets per outrun was like 15 percent, so he barely was above this metric but I remember those were the early days, Jason, like 2015, 2016, whatever. And the refrain on those shows was Devontae Adams stinks and was running the wrong routes. He just looked terrible out there, but you can recover from that. So that's kind of my cutoff in terms of just pure numbers for people. You can recover from it. He is proof of that, but you almost always do not cut, recover from it. So like uh, Terrace Marshall, I love Terrace Marshall. Kyle, you loved Terrace Marshall. He ain't recovering. He's not getting it done. I know that we we've just I think today saw good camp reports from Terrace Marshall and and really tradition. Guy. Yeah, and I'm and I'm like, you know, I'm excited. I hope it works. But I, everything we do in fantasy is a is a bet on odds. What what's the probability? And the probability that Terrace Marshall ever flashes at this point or does something relevant is two percent. I mean, it's it's almost a done deal is how it feels so i i i love you bringing up the cost of what you paid for a player you've got to be able to let that go it's irrelevant and it can hurt you too much if you are a smart manager 
you can take advantage of that knowing that, look, this was a top three overall first-round rookie draft pick. You know, you could still get something for Nikhil Harry two years after because the promise, the allure, what was supposed to be, if you know that there are bad metrics that say that the odds are he's not going to come back, try to capitalize. Yeah, another one that came to mind, one more recently and then one in the past, you mentioned kind of just associating what you spent as far as draft capital on the player. Corey Davis was arguably the 1.01, 1.02 in that year, in that class. And for a couple of years, like, I mean, he ended up being an okay pro, and but obviously now he's not really anything for fantasy, but he ended up being an okay pro over the course of time. And like the name value still exists. Could you get a first for him? No, of course not. But could you recoup a second probably at some point in Corey Davis's career? Yeah, I think you could have. Um, and a name that comes to mind this year of like, I just don't see it is Tyquan Thornton, who did nothing last year. And there was a little bit of buzz, like very early this off season. And now we're getting reports like he's kind of fallen down the depth chart a little bit really uncertain situation uh, you, you just got to be willing to move on and yeah every now and then you are going to miss on a guy that suddenly out of nowhere rebounds but those are just so rare so I am trying to move on from these guys I think more quickly as I play dynasty uh, longer yep Tyquan Thornton is actually on that list under those metrics uh, with tight ends just realize you're not gonna be able to get a lot from year one so just wait like you're just gonna have to keep waiting and maybe wait another year to see if they're anything. So yeah, I, would, I would just not draft them and then I would trade for them before the breakout. Yeah. Or scoop them up right after the draft, whatever you need to, if you got a taxi squad, throw them on there. Um, this question is kind of a good follow up for those of us that run late summer rookie drafts. Who would you be targeting in rounds three through five of a five round draft sleepers for us peepers, as they say. Um, so Betts, who's a couple names. Yeah, I looked at um, my fantasy league's ADP over the last couple of months, and so this could be changing depending on what time of year you draft. But one of the names that I like on the list is Cardinals wide receiver Michael Wilson. I mean, there's been mm -hmm. a lot of buzz on him getting meaningful snaps with the ones right away. And, you know, think about the context. Like, this team did not draft uh, Rondell Moore, or, or the uh, the current regime didn't draft Rondell Moore. They, they weren't involved in the trade for Hollywood Brown, this coaching staff. Like, they're obviously wanting to see what they have in Michael Wilson. I think he's going to play a ton of snaps this year. If it's not right away, I think he works his way into the rotation and gets a ton of, uh, of snaps. So I like Michael Wilson. You can probably get him in round three of most rookie drafts. Jason, any names that are just on the tip of your tongue? Like, you know what? Take a shot on this dude. Um, I, I like Puka. Uh, Puka Nakua, the, the uh, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. I think there's a lot of uh, similar arguments to him and Michael Wilson in their situations of being able to get on the field early. I mean, when a rookie does not have the opportunity in, in today's, in modern NFL, to, to go out and show that they're good right away, then they usually never do. And so you want a guy who just is going to get the opportunity. Michael Wilson will get the opportunity. Puka will get the opportunity. And then, uh, you know, a running back... I just feel so stupid here. So you know what? I'm glad I'm bringing this name up because talk me out of it, man. I am falling for it. I am falling for all the camp stuff over itty bitty little itty bitty baby Deuce Vaughn. No, I did not uh, think you were going to say that. Talk, I wasn't talk expecting me out that of this. Talk me out of it, uh, please, please. I mean, when I scouted him. It was 
the most irrelevant player that I could scout. His ranking to me pre-NFL draft was meaningless. It's worthless. This guy cannot do something in the NFL at his size that that is going to – I mean, he, he can help an NFL team, but he can't for fantasy football purposes. There's just no world where he can be a reliable fantasy asset in any situation. That's still the truth. But I'm falling hook, line, and sinker for, you know, <laughs> drafted by the, you know, his dad works at the team, and so now there's this connection. He's getting some run in camp, and people are talking so good about him. Obviously, he, his production in college was outrageous. I mean, he you don't have many people that produce like him. Um, so, yeah, so uh, talk me out of it. So they showed a clip today of him doing some pass protection against Dante Fowler, who's like 6'3", and, you know, was a top-five pick and everything. And it's hard to tell because some people are responding to it, and they're like, oh, Deuce Vaughn, he's really just holding his own. It's like, this is his teammate. I don't think his teammate's just going to pick him up and throw him, but he could. He literally could <laughs> if he wanted to just body slam him. So I don't really care about any training camp highlight, whatever, that you're going to see from this guy. Uh Jason, he's a fun player, and if you if you want to measure heart, I, I'm down with that. I'm a, I'm a you know I'm a sensitive guy, so I get it. But how many touches is this guy ever going to get in a game? Five? Yeah, Maybe, I, if he's lucky. I mean, that's exactly the point of why I discounted the concept of him being relevant in the entire scouting process. It's just it's it's bad process to believe he will ever get touches. Can I just read his dynasty blurb real quick in the UDK? That's a good oh, one. Oh, please do. Please do. The diminutive Deuce is a heartwarming story, but he finds himself in the first percentile of RB measurables for height and weight. This is not the good 1% in case you needed help in math class. <laughs> so 176, man. I mean, these guys just don't play in the NFL, right? Not just so, 176. He's 5'6". That's, he's the five argument, foot six. that's the argument against Deuce Vaughn for you there, Jason. <laughs> the diminutive yeah. Deuce. I love that, Kyle. I think you wrote that. The... Uh, the argument for him is 1,558 rushing yards along with 378 receiving yards one year. The year before that, 18 rushing touchdowns with 1,400 rushing yards. Yada, yada, yada. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I want it to happen. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the desire. Uh, we will be next week talking about some of the nasty boys. So we have a master list of players that you can do a deep dive on. So I will just tell you right now, Deuce Fawn is not on that list. We'll just honorably like give him the mention as like a, you know, he wasn't even allowed to attend it, but like he was in the junior team for the nasty boys. And that's okay. You know, he's, is Deuce Vaughn on this team in two years? I think so. I think he is. I think he'll be a valuable. I, I I'll believe a player like Return that man. will. Yeah, he'll he'll be involved in special teams. Um, he'll be used in in gadget ways. The fact that he's got the connection, and this is this is one of those funny rare things that actually do matter. Like re human relationships, we forget that these are people, right? The fact that his dad is a longtime scout for the Cowboys. They drafted him. They had that moment. Like I. I do think that matters, the relationships within the building. When they come to say, who's going to make this roster and who are we going to cut? It just gives him 
you know, another uh, another chip in the pot of like, uh, if he's on the bubble and it's him or the other guy, do we want to look at his dad every day as we walk through the halls after we cut him? That would and be I, awkward. You know, I'm sh- yeah, exactly. It's, it, I'm not saying they can't cut him. I'm just saying that's that's another you know another uh, feather in the cap. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just tease this because I like a pro tease. Love it. Next week, we might be talking about a different Dallas Cowboys running back as one of my favorite nasty boys that you could get right now in your dynasty leagues if you want to. So that's a tease. Just throwing it out there. And I'm going to close this down on this show. That's going to do it for this dynasty episode. Check us out, ultimatedraftkit.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com.